With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Crunchy Bars. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Delicious and convenient, both their toasted almond and lemon almond flavors have two grams of net carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein, all in a satisfying crunch. Interested? Ratio Keto-Friendly Bars are now available in the granola bar aisle at Walmart. Hey guys, this is Emil Heskey, and you're listening to the guys of Coppen Frackers. Everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Cop and Fracker, powered by Touchline Media Group. I am your host, Chris, and today I am joined by Ellis, Mush, and Julian to talk all things LFC. Before we do get started, uh, please head over to YouTube and type in Touchline Fracas and do subscribe to the Touchline Fracas uh, YouTube page. Some fr- cracking content on there. Um, a lot of the Discord live stuff from the weekend where Arsenal lost. And Lewis was in the car, like that Eminem video. Um, that was absolutely hilarious. It gave me so much. I was, I was, I was crying when I was listening to the pod yesterday. It was, it was absolutely fantastic stuff. Uh, so please do head over there to get some fantastic, just, just some great video content as well from the guys. Um, and of course, we have the Touchline Fracas Discord page as well, where pretty much for every game now at a weekend involving a top tier team uh we've got a discord live going on so at the weekend we had one for the liverpool manchester city game and if you are a patron subscriber as well you can come in join on and all the fun with that so yeah please do head over to our discord page we will post a link with this as well uh, on twitter so you can sign up and join on all the fun so 
boys, really good game, really good tactical battle at the weekend uh, against Manchester City. Um, it did finish 1-1. Um, it was just a, an awesome game of football. Uh, Julian, I'll come to you for this one. We were all thinking, we, we spent a whole week debating who should be playing out of you know, Jota and Firmino. And the gaffer just completely goes, fuck it, I'll, I'll start them both. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that was, yeah, that was that was a surprise. Um, but Firmino starting wasn't a surprise, but Jota and Firmino starting was definitely something we wasn't expecting, which was which is strange. Um, I wasn't a big fan of it, though. I felt like um, because our attack is so fluid, sometimes, you know, they was getting in each other's way a bit. Um, players were popping up in positions that they wouldn't really... Um, that's not really their strongest point. Like, for example, Jota was popping up on the right, which I would say is his, is his weaker side. Uh, Firmino was um, sometimes um, interchanged between number 10 and, and up front. And Mane played right. Stay, you know, he as he, as he does, he stays, stays to the left, um, was always causing... Like, we was just, just discussing before, like, he's just always, always trying to cause a problem, just just active. And then as, we, as he was able to do, he was able to get a penalty from Kyle Walker. So yeah, I, um, it was a game of two halves as well because I felt like in the first half we were really, really at it. I was really liking what we saw, especially with CE these days. Their passing is not as it's not as quick, it's not as sharp, it's not as precise as it previously was. Previously was so it was, it was kind. It kind of made sense for example, for example, for us to play four attackers up against their their three midfielders, which they didn't look great in the first half. And in the second half, yeah, I felt like it was weird. There was literally a game of two halves where we started so well and then it was it just went flat. And yeah, Firmino got hooked, I think around in the 60th minute. And yeah, from there we just it was it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. But I can't complain, man. One like the draw at City, um, especially with the season that we're having with the injuries that we have, yeah, it's a shame that Trent got injured, which will which we'll touch on with the block of fixtures when we speak on it, but I'm not. I'm. I'm not too fast. I'm. 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 I don't feel bad about the game at all. No, I think a point um, was a fair result in the end. I mean, it's if you would have talked about it before the game, like we did in length, if you were offered a point at the Etihad, you'd probably take it. Considering how we played there for previous years, some of the hidings we've got as well. And you go in there, you give a you know more than a good account of yourself, and you come away from a vital point from an early fixture as well. So I think it was, it was well shared all around. Mush, I'll come to you on this. Um, so the formation changed a lot. I mean, we're used to seeing midfielders plugging up gaps and helping out the wide players and the fullbacks pushing up as well. So with the formation going to a 4-2-4, realistically, as opposed to a 4-2-3-1, which we all thought on paper it looked like, how did you feel with that? Because I think the, the big thing for me was, and we, and we were exposed a fair few times when um, the wide players were kind of like being pulled out of position and midfielders were kind of had that muscle memory when they're in the midfield free. So they're pushing out wide when they really shouldn't have been. They kept in the middle. How do you feel that that helped us attack in the first half, but also then weakened us more in the second half as well? That's a great question. I think um, I think the first thing to say is that in terms of doing something different, I, I think what we have to accept as Liverpool fans is that Yes, we've seen the team grow to a level where we're pretty much better than everyone. But there are certain grounds where you might have to sacrifice your plan because of the respect you have for the opposition and adapt to the challenge they have. And then once you've adapted to that challenge, earn the right to play. And I think that that's something we did really well in that first half in terms of 
I, I thought I, I, I tweeted this actually about how Klopp's for me is a genius because we played so high up the pitch, but we didn't actually press the ball. So when Diaz and Laporte had it, rather than actually attacking them two, which we do against most opposition, Firmino, who brilliantly did it, and Salah, just cut off every line there was to get to Gundogan and Rodri, and that completely stopped them playing. And mm. I thought that not only was that genius because it stopped City from playing, but what we saw was the moment Trent or Robbo got the ball, and we know how good they are on the ball, there was a line of four just waiting to go in behind. And Gary Neville really made a point of that, where it was almost like peak, peak Premier League, where it was like, okay, you want us to do, you know, the tippy-tappy stuff in front of you. Now we're going to go to the areas that hurt you most and get in behind. And the question you asked about, was that a contributing factor to the second half being poor? I think it was, because I think the, the bigger problem became that we didn't have the legs for it. Then Julian, as Julian mentioned about Bobby being taken off, as limited as Bobby has been with the ball and as an attacking force, he was fantastic tactically against City. And I think Shakiri or whoever we'd brought on wouldn't have been as adept at doing it. So we almost sat back after that and just accepted the fate of the game. So I think the choices were appropriate for the situation for both the first and second half. And maybe in a different year where the fixtures aren't as congested and we have we can accept that we'll have a week rest each time, we probably could have gone for it the same way both halves, I think. I think sometimes as well, it's just a situation of you have... I mean, when you've got boss players, you try to get them on the pitch as much as possible as well. Um, so we've got four really good attackers, you know, um, three exceptionally performing ones at the moment, one not so performing one at the moment. And we'll touch on that a little bit later on too. Um, and yeah, I think it also had its cons because when obviously Firmino did come off, I think he would have been able to, it would have been nice for him to look at his bench, have Jota on there, firing and ready to go. Someone he knows is going to put the effort on off the ball as well, which is one of the concerns I had with Shakiri coming on. Because we know he's going to be fantastic in kind of, you know, get, getting the ball, receiving it, driving up the pitch about 10 yards forward and find a nice little pass to put someone through. Um, but, but at that point, again, at that point of the game, City have not figured out the formation, but they knew the holes to drop into. They know the way to feed the ball to De Bruyne and get the ball forwards into Sterling when he's in the half space as well. But there was a quote from Klopp. I do want to um, I want to say from what he said on the weekend about starting all the front four. Uh, he said, um, if you do it versus City, you can do it in other games. Helpful that we can use it. From now on, we, we can play this system. Key word there. I'm going to come to you on that in a minute, Julian. System. It worked well tonight. We wanted to use the skills and power of the front four up top. I don't think Pep knew we played that. So we are kind of entrenched in having this Liverpool system and this Liverpool way of playing as well um, with a 4 3 3. But it's nice to know that we have flexible options now as well. And also, with we're slightly back into a corner with not having the right midfielders available to us, also. So it would have been a situation where you were playing James Milner, who's probably not on the freshest of legs, as we did, you know, fair enough, he came out and did a fantastic job. But in a game where it's going to get a bit more fast-paced when you're dropping into that, you know, that I mean, that area where we played from about 70, 75, when we just couldn't string a pass together and we looked absolutely diabolical when the legs were going. You don't want him in that scenario. You also don't want to put Naby Keita in there, who's been, been away and probably hasn't got the legs for it in, in general. So, Julian, I'll come to you on this one. In terms of the system, how nice is it to see that we can evolve from one playing style to another fairly instantaneously um 
it is obviously it, of course it's nice to be able to adapt especially to different opponents that we can have. and I think definitely um if we were playing a team that was sitting back that 4-2-3-1 wouldn't be as effective as it was over the weekend but I'm personally not a big fan of the 4-2-3-1 I think especially for the personnel that we have I don't believe that we have a we have a traditional number 10 that will be able to do the job that you know or, the, or that sec or yeah or that that job where they would have to you know thread play and you know create create some create some chances and take the ball take the ball and you know be able to turn and just pass it off to the wingers as 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 effectively as as a four two three one would need um, I, I'm more of a fan of the 4 3 3, especially because of the personal we have. I personally think our best midfield um, with everyone fit would be Fabinho, Henderson, and Thiago. But especially with you know uh, us having injuries, it's, it's just amazing to see and have a competent coach and manager who's able to adapt to us having a plethora of injuries. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm not opposed to it at all. I would like to see it. I think the problem with our team is that we're not exactly used to playing in the 4 2 3 1. As yep. much as we are the four 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 three three, so when we so when we do see it, it can kind of be, become a shock. But I, I think especially this season, we've we've definitely Klopp has definitely forced the four two three one more, um, and I think our players have become more tactically adapted to it. So I would love to see that more going forward, especially if it, if it means getting four attackers on. I'd love to see four attackers, but four three three is the safest bet, especially against teams that will sit back and not give up and, and not try to play football with us. Completely agree. And I mean, it's interesting as well, the club said they only had two days to work on this new system and to play the way that they did within those two days and kind of get it nailed down is fantastic. And no doubt the guys who haven't gone away for international duty as well will be working on that formation even more. So, you know, you've got you've got Tiago at Melwood working on that formation. So that's absolutely terrifying for other teams, in my opinion, who lack creativity and, you know, can't stop a midfield to save their life. Uh, Els, I'll come to you on this. Um, even though we had four attackers on the pitch, in some of the attacking scenarios that we created for ourselves in the first half, they were so wasteful. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just typical of, of them um, individually. Sometimes I feel that, I think they feel they probably don't have enough time, whereas sometimes they do. I know there's a few chances we had where, I know there was one where Mane took it back inside on his right foot, I thought he would have let it go first time. Maybe he probably saw that the angle wasn't um, good for him. Uh, we had a few chances where we could have put Salah through. For me and Mosh were talking about the Roberto Firmino chance where he could have slid Salah through. But again, he's probably bereft of, of confidence. So naturally, he would have done it. But now, probably not. He even had a chance the first 50 seconds where... I'm not too sure what he tried to do. I don't know if he tried to take a touch or... I don't know. I don't know what he tried to do, but normally you just want him to chip it over, chip it over ever since. Yeah, but yeah, naturally, um, the well, the free fours are are usually wasteful. But again, in this game, I feel probably the nerves and just trying to be get the right decision probably over overall them a little bit. I know Jota had a few half chances. Um, him coming from the right, not his natural position, probably benefited that. But um. So I, I don't really mind them taking. Not I don't mind them that like, making the chances in it because they're attackers, so you have to make the chances. But again, if they did take more chances, I think we'll be far away atop of the league. So hopefully that's something that Klopp is going to look at and try and then just just calm them down a little bit and you know, take your chances when you need to. But yeah, it was one of the things where 
kind of like my dad was consistently asking me through the game, would you, would you be happy with the draw from this point? From this point, I'm like, not really, because we're creating chance, we're creating so many chances. It's just by the laws of probability, we're bound to score one sooner rather than later. But when I think when you exert so much energy into the first 45, 50 minutes of the game, like we did, it's difficult down the stretch when you don't, when, you know, when we are, I mean, we're, we we don't have the squad that we would normally have, which is obviously we've been hit with the, the biggest injury bug ever. I mean, good Lord, you look at the amount of people that we've got got out. I mean, when, when, he, took, when he took Firmino off, I, I thought that would have been a nice time to probably put a guy like Ox on or something, the forgotten man, you know what I mean? A guy who can kind of like just draw forward and attack in the half spaces too. But, but yeah, it's for me, it's not a massive issue. But in terms of we need to be a little bit more ruthless when you do see in, in, in games gone past, such as West Ham and Sheffield United, where we're giving away such stupid, cheap chances. I mean, I'm not going to be too harsh on Joe Gomez for, for the penalty for this game because, I mean, good, what's going on there? You know what I mean? Um, but, but yeah, I think going forward in the next run of games we've got, I like to see us just have a bit more of a higher conversion rate, which sounds a little bit greedy, but it is what it is when you've got such good, fantastic attackers on the pitch. Um, mm. Mush, I'll come to you on this. Um, Joel Matip can only start one game a week, and that was his first game since the first first game of the season, was it? Since Leeds? Um, he played in the Merseyside derby as well, didn't he? Yeah, Everton, yeah. He oh, yeah, he did, didn't he? Bloody hell. That's, you know what? This, this year just seems like it's been so quick... And it's been it's been been so awful that everything's just become a blur. Um, and now now I'm thinking out which bloody Merseyside derby it was both of them, wasn't it? Um, so yeah, I mean we haven't seen him for the best part of a month. He comes in, he drops, doesn't drop a ten out of ten game, but dropping a bloody good performance. I mean his passing was a little bit rusty, but he's defended to show that how much of a top top notch defender he is. I uh, I actually gave this some particular thought. I didn't even know you'd come to me with this question, but it's very relevant in the sense of. I actually felt that Matip playing on as a right centre-back made Trent, or I don't know if it's comfort, but Trent was more engaged. So we've seen, especially in the last year or so, Trent's big problem at times can be, it's not that people get past him, it's that he's trying to be sensible and he backs off, backs off, backs off until he basically lets the attacker into the box or near the edge of the box. And one thing you saw yesterday, apart from maybe one or two occasions, but most of the time when Sterling got the ball, it was bang. Trent was facing him up straight away. So I don't know what it is about Matip, but it gave Trent the confidence to engage the ball earlier. And on top of that, we saw what Matip offers in that one moment in the game where, do you remember when Joe Gomez stepped and everyone else dropped and Matip just about cut the ball out? And it's yeah. those, moments, those moments where I don't know if it's Joe Gomez as a player or Joe Gomez, his permanent kind of role as a footballer, but Joe Gomez doesn't sniff out those moments. It's normally a senior defender compared to him who does. So I think Matip defensively was fantastic um, on, I keep saying yesterday, uh, fantastic on uh, Sunday. And um, I think the only thing he could have done better, and this is more because of his standards on the ball, which is he could have, he's fantastic at fizzing passes and especially through the lines, but they were inaccurate. And it was only because City were quite poor on Sunday that we didn't get punished for it. But there are times where we trust Matip on the ball. So we go forwards and we expect Matip to find our players. But the moment you lose it, 
we've got too many men up the pitch and we could have got caught out. So he could have been better on the ball, but I would say for a man who, you know, is a part-time footballer, full-time, you know, no context man, um, he, uh, he did brilliantly, I thought. So, yeah, we all know his quality as a player and I don't think that's ever any doubt. It's just about how we get him on the pitch for a sustained basis. I definitely do think that that right side with Joe Gomez is that it's, I think the both of both of them suffer from being young defenders, but young defenders playing on the same side. So, for example, with Matip, he's a more mature mature defender. He's obviously got a lot more know-how than Joe Gomez over the years. But when Joe Gomez is playing with Trent, I don't think the communication, or at least like for example, something if something was criticised about like for example when Van, I think it's Van Dijk. Wait, wait, Van Dijk. Does Van Dijk play on the left or? Is it Gomez? Van Dijk plays on the left, yeah. Van Dijk plays on the left, Gomez plays on the right. So when Gomez and Gomez is playing on the right, I don't think he gives Trent enough instruction. Then, Julian, don't you think that's a concern in the sense of, right, Joe Gomez had the chance to see Matip in action doing it on the right side on yeah. Sunday, right? But my man has had two to three years of watching it in action on Van Dijk and Robertson's side. And you would think he'd take the learnings from that and implement it more in his game than we're probably seeing, especially recently. Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee, ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit unitedgatewaycard.com to apply. It's just about character, isn't it? Like, you, you, it just depends because Joe Gomez might be what he looks like a very, unless he's playing with someone that's less senior in him and in the team, He would. I don't think he's, a communicator like that, for example. Yeah, yeah. No, no, definitely. He looks like the, the supporting d- member yeah. rather than he's, the member. He's kind of like an assistant manager. Like, yeah, yeah I can get you in trouble uh, and I can I can give you a bollocking, but I won't because it's not my job to, if you get what I mean. So I, I definitely feel like, and this is what we were discussing, uh, last, I think it was last week or the week before that, he definitely does need that area of his game to be adapted more to, to be elevated more and more and more along with him being a, a more like presence in the box and being aware of danger as well because yeah when you when Matip is playing there and Trent seems a lot more comfortable in in his in his normal position in sorry in his position and Matip is there doing basically what we kind of expect you to do it's, it's yeah he has to improve on that for sure I think Gomez was really I think Gomez if we, if we swap, swap the conversation with him I thought he was really good. Nick. I thought he was really good on the weekend. Um, that left-hand side, him and Robbo, they intertwined really well dealing with the defensive dangers to the point where Ferran Torres, who's played really well for Manchester City, didn't even get a sniff nothing, in the game. Absolutely nothing all game, isn't it? On my life, I haven't seen that Ferran Torres guy play until Sunday. And on my life, I don't remember. I don't even know how he looks. On my life, <laughs> I, I don't know how he looks. Like He was so quiet that game. It was it was a madness that uh, boy uh, that you yeah him and Rodri the, like I hardly watch City anymore but him and Rodri Rodri oh my god he looks I couldn't I, I could not tell you one thing that Rodri did during that game do you know what Chris you um you made a great point because I also agree I thought Sunday I said it in the Patreon um, post match review actually that I felt Sunday was a massive turning point for Joe Gomez because there was nothing during the game apart from that minor moment, like we said, where Matip cut out the pass, he was confident physically. He played in the areas he should be playing rather than getting dragged out, which has been a bit of a problem these last few months. And that point I made about Matip was more of a learning in the long-term thing than him necessarily being bad. 
I don't know if this means in in the in the kind of near future while Spandak's out, do you guys think he's more suited to that left centre back role than the right centre back role? Because Robertson's a bit more senior and he can kind of trust him a bit more because like Julian just said, Gomez is kind of having to mentor Trent when he's just as young, whereas Robertson looks after himself. I definitely feel like City played into his hands with being... Because they play into... Because Joe Gomez is kind of a... His best attribute is his, is, his, is his physicality in terms of when he's running and his intensity when he, when he has to um, recover. So I definitely feel like City's played into, City played into his hands a lot. But when he's playing against a patient team, like, for example, a Sheffield, or, like, I would say 70% of the teams in the Premier League, that's when he will have the most issues because I feel like sometimes he just gets bored. Like, he's like, oh, I just want to, you know, I'll, I'll, it's past so, just, just so I can just... Make like, an action kind of yeah, thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah, a big testament. Sorry, that was gone. You know, yeah, I think I think you're right, Mosh. I think that left-hand side will probably, as Van Dijk's out, will probably be his best bet just because Robbo, you can trust Robbo with his... With his work, yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, money and money and Robertson will do that defensive side or that have that left hand side, and then it will allow for Gomez to to do what he needs to do. Um, I think on the right hand side, I think like you lot were saying, I think he feels that he has to help Trent, but I think with Matip being there, it helps both Gomez and Trent because although Matip doesn't speak a lot, but he doesn't he doesn't look that out well. Like you know how Van Dijk is all remonstrating and. Pointing that I think Matip is more of a calm person who's telling that, come on, lads, man, do your thing properly with his awkward self. So I, th- I think Matip there helps both of them and it helps, it helps one, it helps Trent with his defensive side because he's going to talk to Trent on that side. It's going to help Gomez as well with his stuff. So I think, yeah, that left hand side will probably, I think it will be better for Liverpool as well because we don't have a left handed side centre back apart yeah. from Van Dijk. So he's probably just going to have to learn for it. R.I.P. Ragnar Klavan. Yeah, man. Yeah, free my man, you know. Yeah, the Matty thing is so interesting because he does all his talking on the pitch. You know, he's the way he was striding out on the weekend, just breaking up Man City attacks before they even kind of like got any exception of going, was really what was really good. And he's just that weird thing where he just like looks at people. Uh, the, the, the out of context Joel Matty thing is probably the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, <laughs> that that just, gets, me through, gets me through my day, man. He's so just, funny. He's just such a funny random geezer. He's like, awkward. He's awkward. <laughs> he's so but, um, it's, it's a good testament to Joel Gomez as well. I mean, when we were doing the bloody post mortem from Villa, we were saying that he needs to sit out for like the next two, three games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then he's been pushed in a situation where he's got no choice but to start because, you know, everyone at our club seems to be dying like the game of amongst us. Um, and, I mean, he gave, away the penalty, he gave away the penalty at the weekend, albeit with this new penalty rule. Like, if you're an attacker, like, if, I, if you're an attacker now and you can't get through, what's stopping you from just chipping the ball at someone's arm? Literally, bro, just blasting it. Just blasting and just getting the penalty? So, I can't even blame him for that. And more importantly, you look at the reverse game against City from last season when you know Sterling got in his head a bit, it gave away the penalty, he got rattled. In Sunday's game, he just didn't get rattled at all. Yeah. He carried on, yeah. Carried on. Was unfazed. I think we just want to see that consistently now in the sense of had a great game against City, he had a good game against Atalanta, but then he gave away the goal against West Ham with that poor clearance. So it's, and, and this isn't me kind of nitpicking and not seeing sense of the positives, 
I think Joe Gomez is the kind of defender where if he's had three or four good games in a row under his belt, he's kind of becomes unstoppable after that. But it's that in a row part that we just need to see now from Joe. I definitely think he'll come with age. Like I definitely think like it's like even though he's quite experienced in that he's played in Champions League, he's played in the Premier League, he's won the Premier League, been our been our been our main centre back, uh, part of our main centre back. Like even with age at twenty three, um, he will if he give away a pen in a big game, he is thinking, "Yo, oh. oh, what the fuck?" And his head will kind of go a bit where he will probably over start overthinking things a lot. I think, but by the time he gets to 27, 28, when that is a centre back's you know prime prime age, he he will probably iron that out. But I That's definitely think it's an age thing. It's crazy though, isn't it? Because like someone like Gabriel, who's done really well for Arsenal since coming in, we think of him as a young defender, and he's exactly the same age as Gomez, isn't it? So it's like the bar is. Was he was he one of the players who was made to dance by Grealish at the weekend or no? Yeah, he certainly was. There were no means of Rashford on the floor this time around. Like, yeah. But like, even like, even like, not to speak about Arsenal too much, but even Gabriel, yeah, like, time will tell with him. Like, he's not, he's 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 played he's played well so far. But let's let's see how you are when you're knee deep in you know in March in in the Prem, where games get sticky, your legs are getting tired. You played your couple of Europa League games and it's un, and it's all of that is under your belt. Let's let's see how how when you, there's stuff on the line and. Yeah, man, because it is easy to come in and start well, but to maintain it for the whole season, it's just, it's just a different story. December, December to February is when we will see the we see the real guys, like. Bro, that's because, that's when it separates the boys from the men. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you December, you play about five hundred million games in December. Then, <laughs> then January, not even, not even an underestimation, by the way. Like, like, January is like five hundred million. Bro, like five hundred million games, and you come to January, then you have to play two FA Cup games. Have to pay this, this is why I don't doubt the boys, though. You know, we became last season was the first time in, in English history that a team has got maximum points in December. So I know that these boys have, you know, the mentality monsters don't just die out just because of one or two bad games. You know what I mean? So, no, but, but. fucking facts. Um, last thing I do want to touch on from this game actually, two things I want to touch on. First one being take some absolute bollocks, doesn't it? Playing a midfield two away at Manchester City when you figure out the way that they play. By the way, by the way, for me, when you have top ten centre mids in Europe, mate, don't worry about that. <laughs> but I was going to say the way like we play anyway, like the way Firmino plays, he's kind of an extra midfielder than he is an attacker, to be honest. So it makes sense for us, especially, to play a four-two-three-one. I was going to say to that actually. So with the fact, with the space that we did have exposed in some moments with the midfield too. And you know, and we had the wide players kind of having that assigned defensive role. Do you think there was more room for a bit more of a withdrawn Roberto Firmino, so to shift to a more four-three-three out of possession? It wasn't a four-three-three though at any point. Because... Yeah, I was thinking like that when we were playing out of possession, and obviously City are going to try and go through the middle, try and dictate yeah. it, to get it frustrating to De Bruyne. You could probably sh- you, it, it would be difficult to do, but you could. Give, I mean, actually, two days with two days tactical work on it might not be as viable, but. That might be something to look at in the future when you're thinking you knock out Thiago there. Something to look into, maybe. My, my issue is that Bobby, although he's fantastic and very clever when it comes to the defensive angled side of the game, Bobby does not get up the pitch well. And if he's playing deep, it will take him a while to get into attacking positions. And I think that that bit has never, has never been part of his game. 
you know, sometimes when Liverpool break, like we we discussed before we started the show, haven't we? There's been games where, you know, Ox, Salah, Mane are breaking or it's someone else's. It never happens to be Bobby as part of those breaks. So I don't think... <laughs> fucking along behind, brother. And then when he yeah. gets and they pass the ball to him, he's like, oh, shit. What yeah. And I think I think he knows that. So when they're going on, he's just chill, bro. He's like, bro, you lot do your thing, man. I'm covering in it. I'm covering. Oh, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'll, catch you, I'll catch you, man, in a bit. In a bit, in a bit. Yeah, sometimes when he, like, when he like, arrives in the box late and they're trying to get the passage, he's like, whoa, I just got it here, man. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, whoa, man. And he skies it over and he's like, fam, I just got here, innit? Like, legs are... <laughs> also, with that performance as well, kind of like, that was our first proper look at Manchester City because let's be real, I don't particularly watch that many Manchester City games now. I don't think they play. It's a weird one. They play really good football, but it's a far cry from what they were playing in the early years under Pep as well. It looks all a bit kind of like manufactured and put together. But from what you've seen from this game, does that give you more confidence in us retaining this year? They look tired. Yeah. They look tired of Pep, man. Like I think we were discussing it earlier with um, Kevin De Bruyne, especially. Like when he missed the penalty, he was like, he, obviously he's not gonna, you know, cry and break down, drop to his knees when he misses a pen. But it was kind of like a, oh, wait, man. Sorry. Like I, I definitely think um, we we're saying it earlier again that the Champions League that they missed out on was really, really like damaging to a lot of players that have been there for years because they probably, probably feel like that was their last chance, especially when over the last couple of years when they have got knocked out of the Champions League, they've always lost to teams that are lesser than even yep, us yep. when we got to the final. Like they they really should have lost that game. So I definitely feel like the Premier League to a lot of the senior players especially, they're like, yeah, we can win it. But what you're telling us to do to win it, I, I like not saying that they don't have they don't they're not respecting Pepe as a manager, but it's like what you told us to do to get to this position is great for the league and we've done it for the league. We've maximise it as much as we can got 198 points but the next level for them will of course be the Champions League and I feel like even some of the signings that they've made to replace big signings like Ferran Torres doesn't look amazing Rodri doesn't look great um, Ruben Diaz looks good Ruben Diaz Ruben Diaz, Diaz. Ruben Diaz was really good at the weekend I thought yeah, yeah. but yeah I, I feel like mentally Man City are a bit shocked at the moment or I could be yeah, I feel, I feel that um, looking at them, I think this is ours to lose again. Or this is ours to lose anyway this season. I think that um, I can comfortably say we're far and away the best team in the league watching them. And I feel that... Um, even with the injuries as well. Yeah, even with the injuries, yeah. I just feel that like we're just far and away the best team in the league. Uh, I feel that uh, Pep is probably... Uh, Michael was saying in the group chat, it's just ran its course really naturally. Everyone looks, everyone's had it. The intent for me, what with City was that the intensity in their pressing and the passing is no longer there. Even like with Sterling, sometimes when Sterling used to get in the box, it was so intense and it was so frightening that you, you don't know what to do. But even at the weekend, it was just very lethargic. It took him a long time to get his head up, get into the box. Even when he had his chance when he was one on one with um, Alisson a couple of seasons ago, but he's taken out of his he's taken out of his feet and he's whacking it top bins in it. But now I just feel that the whole play is very slow, very lethargic. They haven't got their patterns in. They haven't got men running in behind. So I think, yeah, naturally, it's just the end of it for me personally. Yeah. I feel we probably will leave at the end of the season. I think I think just to add to that, Ellis mentioned a big big word there. And for me, it's patterns, right? And I think the big and most scary thing about a peak pep city that we were all worried about before 
was that there were threats everywhere. There was Sane, there was Sterling, there was Aguero, there was Silva, there was Kevin De Bruyne. There was, there was so much, to, even Fernandinho with a long shot. There was so much to worry about. And all of that has now crumbled to a Kevin De Bruyne back post pass to Sterling, which if you cut that out, there's nothing else. There's nothing else you need to defend against. And I know it's unfair on City to say, well, I guess Aguero's been out, but he's 32 now. You know, the, 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 the legs will slow up. Isn't we he out of contract at the end of this season? Yeah, he's, he's most probably going to Boca anyway. I think Maradona is trying to pattern that at the moment. And then um, the other problem is that Riyad Mahrez has started the season horrifically. So it, it, it's just one of those now where a team that was probably the most complex organism we've ever seen is now, it's just a pathetic shadow of, of what it was. So my I, what I rate Pep for is that he's probably clocked that this team isn't scoring how we used to. So let's shore up this defence. And, you know, they're probably going to concede a lot less goals than the joke of last season, I think. I definitely feel like these players are mentally tired as well. Because I remember um, when Pep left Bayern Munich, Ribery came out and said, that it's not just, it's not just like physically you get tired and you get drained. It's like mentally there's, with when you're, when you're playing under Pep, there's a lot you have to think about in terms of the pass after the next pass, where you have to be. Um, your way, 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 your position when someone else passes the ball and you, you have to make your runs. It's a lot to take in, and I feel like after what four years, four or five years of being here, like it's it's going to take its toll on players that have been there for a while. So, yeah, man, it's not looking. Yeah, City don't look. City don't look as frightening as they once did. And yeah, man, it's I'm not sad about it, but it's what it is, man. It's I think. What they did over the course of two seasons, getting 198 points, it's not appreciated enough to not only get 100 points, but then do it again when you're being run to the very end of the season. It's it's, it's underrated, and at some points when when you're doing it, when you're having to do that slog again, and you're coming up short every single time, it's difficult to kind of get your mindset right for a Wednesday in December in fucking Burnley. When you've got Chris Wood elbowing you in the fucking back and Phil Barty trying to like take you out of the game, you just can't be asked of it. Chris, you know what's nuts? I didn't read the stat until a year after that season, yeah? Is that 18-19 season where from whatever, the end of January onwards, where we won every game, 14 games in a row, right? Where City most often played before us, so it was all on the line. Did you know that the last 15 games, they only conceded three goals? Mad. That's mad. That's insane. Do you know how strong your mentality is to be able to do that? And that deserves so much credit. But at the same time, what Julian was saying, that kind of mentality is not sustainable at no. all, man. You can't be that determined every year. So hard, man. Especially like you can do it if you haven't got a team like Liverpool on your neck. Yeah, you know yeah, saying? exactly. You can do it like if you're just the strongest team. Like you can do that like, by a minute calm, but when you've got a team like Liverpool on your neck and you just have to maintain like 100% focus is so hard and like that like we said on it just looks like this coming into the season it just looked like Pep was just exhausted he's just tired and you can't you can't constantly do it you're saying the same things all the time and Pep is a manager that just focuses on the same patterns all the time and it just seems that yeah all the players just mentally run out and they need they need something fresh and this is why I look at us now and I'm not even when we do go behind in games, I'm still not worried because yeah. 
Yeah. Mentally, we still switched on, and we just look at, we still look different gravy. I mean, we've been doing this for this is our third season now, where we're in with a shout of winning the title, if not you know the front runners to win it. And what you see from these guys, you know, it's it's the same players as well. But obviously, adding in new hungry blood that you see from Jota, you've got an experienced head in Thiago who wants a new challenge and just come to do work. You know what I mean, I definitely completely. I definitely feel that comes from even the mentality giants thing. I definitely feel that it comes from belief. Like Klopp has actually instilled belief into into this Liverpool team from when they from when he even from when he even brought them to the Champions League final. You can definitely tell that some of these players are like, "Oh shit, we're really here." And then the next season when they got there, it was like, "Okay, we've been here before. Let's win this." And then the season after that, they win the Premier League. They, like they just miss out on the Premier League, and then they the season after that, they they win it with in style. So I definitely feel like with what we have that City don't is that these players have kind of achieved their dreams. Where uh, whereas a lot of a lot of the players in City is kind of been like, okay, we've done these amazing things in the league, but we still need that Champions League. For example, Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, I've won PFA Player of the Year. Yeah, I've got 100 points in the league, but I need that Champions League on my CV. And when you don't have that and things don't seem to work and year after year, you even get knocked out by teams that are lesser than where you're the favourites, it's kind of going to make your head, even if you're just in normal work, like if you don't reach your targets that you, that you were expected to, expected to reach, not even could dream about reaching, you're kind of going to look at, start looking at your manager like, well, I'm not going to really going to, I'm going to listen to you, but I'm not really going to, you know, go as hard as I would have a year ago when I had all these hopes and dreams of, of achieve. Uh, uh, I mean, I had all these hopes and dreams that I wanted to achieve. So, yeah, man, that's just a credit to our team. And even now, it looks like when players even come in, as you've mentioned, Jota and Thiago, and when they come in, they're players that have played on the man- great managers before, but they're coming in with a new hunger, new vengeance. They're coming in with, I want to prove myself in this team. And then even the players before, they're even stepping up. They're even looking at, okay, these men are here now. Let me step up and you know keep my place, keep my place in this brilliant squad. So testament to Klopp, man. Real, real testament to Klopp. Yeah, um, which just a just a really good team at the end of the day when you look at it in in the, in the black and white element. So let's move on to the next next part. We're going to talk about is just the block of fixtures that we've had from Everton to the City game. Um, it's been absolutely butchered with injuries. I mean, we've had Thiago injured. Obviously, Van Dijk's out now for the season as well. Kite is injured. Um, Oxford Chamberlain's a bit of a long-term off-lay as well. Um, Matip's been gone for a bit. We didn't have Allison for a while as well. And when you compound what we've what we've done since that Everton game, so I'll, just, I'll read off the fixtures that we've had. So, two-two draw against Everton, which realistically, given everything that fucking happened in the game, we should have won three-two. Um, a one 0 win away at Ajax with Adrian in goal and Reese Williams playing at centre back. A two one win at Sheffield United where they got a weird VAR penalty. Two 0 win at Michland at home. Two on one against two one win against West Ham. Five 0 win against Atlanta and then a one one draw against Manchester City. So if you take that block of fixtures in itself, considering what we've gone through and what we had as an expectation via realistically, Els, I'll come to you. How are you feeling about that from that block of fixtures? The performances and everything that's got into it. You know, I'm kind of um I'm kinda of happy with that, you know. I'll take especially after the seven two thrashing where you're thinking that like, the world's falling apart and you're not you're gonna get relegated. Um <laughs> I'll 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 take that. The, the lads are responding really well. I mean, 
that Everton game was a tough game. It was a local derby. Um, Atalanta going away. A few people said Liverpool, they were going to wash us and we washed them. Um, Man City, certain man in the group chat said Man City is going to wash us. Don't know where they got that from. And it was nah, a- name, name names though. Uh, I'll leave that to you. You can do that. <laughs> <laughs> you do that. So, um, all things considered, um, the, the performances weren't elite performances, but we just got over the line, namely West Ham and Sheffield United and Michelin. They weren't like top-notch elite performances. They were just, we had to be done what we had to do. Obviously, we struggled a bit. But anyway, a win's a win. Me personally, you not you not know me. I'm I'm down for the win, whatever. However, we get it. Yeah, that's what I want. So um, it was a good. We done well to bounce back, and it shows that whatever the weather, we're gonna win somehow, and we're gonna still collect points. So it's been okay. It's been okay. Long, long, long answer short. It's been okay. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And and Mush, I'll bring you on the conversation here and LLs as well. So when we were looking at those diagrams. Was it yesterday or today? I remember looking at those attacking and defending diagrams when we were looking at uh, opportunities. Oh, oh, yeah, yesterday, yeah. So if you look at us in isolation, it's an attacking team by far and away best best in the league. Yeah, by far. So completely done justice. What you expect from a Liverpool team in terms of defensive elements and the quality of chances that we're giving away. When I said yesterday, this is bad, this is very, very bad, Mush, you, you replied that it's not too bad. But when I'm looking at that, it just screams that we're giving away such easy chances through defensive mistakes that it's just something that we need to we need to book up on. And I said that about four, six weeks ago and it's still not changed. So what, what, what do you feel about that going forward? Does that give you a bit of cause for caution? Because as we saw in these blocker fixtures as well, I mean, West Ham, like you mentioned, alluded to earlier on, Gomez has the ball, he goes straight to Pablo Fornell's feet, where he's like, fucking hell, I can't believe I got this. Um, and, you know, the, the myriad of penalties and the stuff we've given away, just to make it harder on ourselves. I think, um, I mean, your, your point about being concerned is obviously warranted because we should expect high standards. So I think that the part that I, I, I don't feel too concerned about is the fact that when you look at the quality of chance being created against us is high, but then when you look at the number, it's very low. So what that says to me is that it's not an all game thing of we're under the cosh regularly, we're under pressure, we're struggling to get out. There's very little of that. What is frustrating is there's slight lapses. And I'm, I'm one who very much believes in human error existing in football. And obviously in an ideal world, we'd want a clean sheet every game. But if we're not going to be perfect, then I would rather that imperfection be a one-off unlucky goal than regularly poor defending. Because on the XG, we were conceding high percentage chances, but we were one of the lowest in terms of number of shots conceded. So I think the number of shots thing is a... Well, just, just to kind of explain that part, which is number of shots for me is a team thing. So if your structure is good, then you shouldn't be conceding a lot of shots overall. Quality of shot is a defender error thing because you're presenting the opportunity. So I'm at least happy that the team is solid, but obviously want the defenders to buck up their ideas. Sorry, that was a bit long-winded there, but yeah, that was... No, I, I, I thought that was really good. Yeah, <laughs> Put me, me, me a bit at ease there, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> that was calm, that was calm. But how have you, but how have you felt 
Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Crunchy Bars. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Delicious and convenient, both their toasted almond and lemon almond flavors have two grams of net carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein, all in a satisfying crunch. Interested? Ratio Keto-Friendly Bars are now available in the granola bar aisle at Walmart. With with this block of fixtures, so far, and, and, and do we, we expect in you know, all twelve points so from that. Or? I'm so proud of these boys. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud. I'm, I'm because happy. these injuries, right? City, it took one injury for the wheels to fall off. You need to remember that we have lost key player after key player at different moments. If anything, these players have an excuse from the general public and us as fans if they put their foot off the gas a little bit this year based on the troubles that they've faced. But they haven't even allowed that to happen, which shows that their mentality is even bigger than ours, man. So I'm so proud of these boys for what they're doing. And I think I think Klopp is looking at it like, he's probably told the lads behind, behind the scenes that, listen, because Van Dijk's out, this is not an excuse for us to drop. This show is brought to you by Quibit. Looking for an incredible way to save big this holiday season on Apple AirPods, Samsung HDTVs, Keurig coffee makers, gift cards, and so much more? Then check out Quibids.com, a revolutionary online auction site where you can save up to 95% off on your favorite smart devices, electronics, kitchen appliances, and more. So stop paying retail today. That's Q-U-I-B-I-D-S.com. Visit Quibids now. The levels and also he's used that as a fuel because every every pundit is always like, oh we'll see what what Liverpool's gonna what's gonna happen to Liverpool when one of the main guys gets injured when one of the main guys gets injured now a main guy has got injured and if we go on to run to the league, Klopp is probably gonna sit at his chair with a fat cigar telling everyone to fuck off. He's the guy. He's literally that because like every every week we get oh what happens if they get injured oh what happens I'm like alright cool. And if we do win the league easily, boy, you lot of shit. No, honestly, if if we do, I'm I'm gonna be honest. Like when Van Dijk got injured, I think it was all doom and gloom in the group chat. I even said, boy, if just top four this season. <laughs> well, we uh, we we had uh, the person will go unnamed, but they were t- they were telling me to focus on 2021. I was like boy this is this this season's it's a, it's a Ralph so for us to be unbeaten in the Champions League um two clean sheets in the Champions League maintain three clean, sheet, three clean sheets in the Champions League was it yeah, yeah yeah oh shit wasn't it oh yeah we have got three well, right, we've Adrian in goal as well, which is yeah. four clean sheets. <laughs> so, yeah, sure. so honestly, like I, I love the way we stepped up. Like it's been, it's 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 been. It's, it just goes to show how great how great these players are. Um, I definitely feel like go, going back to Mushy's point with the with the amount of uh, points we sorry not points um chances we've conceded. Even the chances we concede, it might it, it feels like half chances that are just on target. It, may, it might just be Allison's presence, or it might just be our defending. But whenever we, whenever someone's in on goal, I never feel like, all right, this is going to go in. And it rarely, there's rarely chances in the game where I'm like, oh shit, like we're really under the cost. Even against Man City, um, I feel like there wasn't many chances I could think of where we where we felt under pressure. The same. The only, with, re- the, the only real one from a City game was that the Bruno one where he flashed it a little bit wide. 
But yeah. apart from that, I can't really remember any clear cut chances they really had in the game. Yeah, well, they had the Sterling one and the Jesus header. One he one they didn't feel like a chance. They didn't feel like a chance that will, that had us in proper proper danger. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, boys, one thing we haven't done, and we definitely deserve to go back to, is you said about it not feeling like there were big chances. Shout out to Mr. Super Glue Gloves, Allison, for the oh. best handling of a football I have ever seen. It rained for six hours, right? There were crosses <laughs> on the bounce being flashed across his thing. Crosses that I would accept a keeper cannot stop literally just freezes in his hands, man. So he was one of them. That, there was one of them that flashed across the ground in the first half, and you could see the the, the spray coming off the ball on the on the pitch. And any any goalkeeper, you can go, okay, cool. If you fumble that in the box, fair play because it's absolutely pissing it down. And he just got down, grabbed the ball, and he just the man makes you feel safe. Yeah, honestly, even. Incredible. Even the header, you see the header at the end. Yeah, bro. <laughs> oh, if Adrian did that, I'd be calling for jihad. But I mean, like, <laughs> because Alison, completely fine. Moraya is actually right. We actually do wax lyrical about Alison every single episode. But that's literally what we've been missing for about bro. God knows how long. I've said bro, he... there's not been a keeper that's made me feel so safe. Never one. Yeah, one. One. There's not been one keeper we've seen. Vestervelt, Kirkland, Carson, Rayner, Dudek, Mignolet, Carrius, Doni. Um, I mean, you mentioned one good goalkeeper in that whole list, man. So you know what I'm saying. So this is why we we waxed lyrical about the guy. Fam, I've never seen a keeper just hold on to the ball. Bro. 90 minute shot comes and he's held on to it. Do you know how crazy that is? That we basics the basics, yeah. But I'm thinking, wow. You guys, saying, you guys are saying basics though. One big thing about it is like, you know how lots of other fans say the one thing Alisson doesn't have is like a super save? It's because my man's always in position. Yeah, Every, doesn't there, doesn't, there doesn't need to be drama. That's, that's, and, that's, he, and even then, if he needs to stretch back and reach something like Odell Beckham, he can do it. Yeah. What, what I love about him is that <laughs> there's, he has like, I even think this is why attackers, like this is, what, this is what I'd go back to with the half chances. He has that presence in the box where it's like, all right, you're, you're on one-on-one, do something. And then the, even the, the attackers will be like, oh, shit. I don't know. The way he spreads his body out and Long. throws you off, it's like, right, I'm going to just tap it. And then you just yes. get to, I think, oh, only other, uh, only other keeper I've ever have seen have that presence is kind of 2014-2017 David De Gea, where if you go up against him, you know it's going to have to... And it got, into, it got into our attackers' heads, first and foremost, and it got into other attackers' heads, where if you put a shot against him, you need to make sure that it's so far in the bottom corner that he can't get to it. And he needs to be pinned perfect. You can't make the king... He's going to save it. Literally. Yeah. Literally. Don't get rattled. Literally. He's in the guidelines. Don't get rattled. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, man, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so proud, like, like you guys said. I'm glad you agree with me that the boys are just putting a monumental effort across these across these games, especially during the Champions League as well, not to concede a goal. And we're in a, you know, we're in a fairly good group. We're not in a group of death by any means, but Ajax aren't scrubs. Atalanta aren't scrubs from what we saw from last season in the Champions League. Uh, Michelin, you know, they're a, a really advanced kind of Terminator type kind of club, how they use data and stuff. But yeah, man, it's, it's been really good to see. And we've had moments, you know, like Nat Phillips coming to a game and not looking out of place. Reese Williams starting the Champions League games and, you know, keeping consecutive clean sheets. And it's just been, it's just been fantastic to watch. Before and we going on, to... Before we move on, Henderson, Jugador performance. Gunman performance. I... Oh man, Henderson against Man City, he ran. Brilliant. The 
Julian, talk. I've waited two years for you to talk. <laughs> like, talk. For someone, for someone who gets so much stick and so much criticism for his for his um, apparent, you know, non-existent ability, my God, he was a monster against against that that midfield three. He ran the show. He was in, in a midfield two. In a in a midfield two, he was gripping up Kevin De Bruyne on his ones, gripping him up. Like, come in, come here, <laughs> come here bro. Just come. Hey. <laughs> you know, Run me a lunch money, quick. Run it, run it. Great performance, great performance. Yeah, unbelievable. I think um, quickly before we move with with Henderson, um, as if you followed me for a long time, you know, like I'm probably number one fan. I think it got to the point where people were just like criticizing him for no reason. Hmm. So it got to a point where I was defending him bears just because I thought the critic the criticism was old over the top. Mm-hmm. So like obviously we all know that his his ability, he's not like a world class. He's not a Thiago or anything, but what he does do, he does it well. And now he's coming to the fore where he's more experienced and he's playing for a manager who understands what he brings to the team. And there was a video of him in Atalanta just like saying, screaming stuff and um, motivating the the players. And a lot of rival fans are like, oh, it's basic. If you've never played football, blah, 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 and all that bullshit. Ask, like, them, like, I st- ask them why their teams are conceding 100 goals I, a season. I was going to say that. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's, certain, there's certain teams where this they haven't got that many You know what I'm saying? They haven't got... And even like, if you've played football, you know that somebody who's behind you like, just telling you, oh, man on, oh, get there. Oh, that, that helps you. That's what that's what helps you. Do you know what I'm saying? It's what helps you. And Having a player like Henderson, who's who's a decent, who's a decent test, technic, technician anyway, and who can play, who can actually play football in the midfield, and he's also a great leader. I mean, he's. He, I'm happy that everything he's getting his flowers right now, man. Because hey, hey, and and other and other fans saying that you, oh yeah, it's basic, it's basic. Do you have that? I don't hear it. Man United, I, I can't see it. no. Arsenal, do you have Thomas Partey ain't screaming nothing. Um, Man City, you see it there. Well, who, who's screaming? When Fernandinho, when Fernandinho, even Fernandinho, like, come on, man. Like, I think, I think one thing, one thing needs to be added though, because I think Ellis is spot on. But I think the one thing we've undersold here, which us as Liverpool fans probably know more because we watched Liverpool, is that this thing needs to stop of saying Henderson offers all the intangibles and not much on the ball. Jordan Henderson's passing range now is absolutely Damn. fantastic. Like, and I'm talking not just the long ball drills. Firstly, his passing over the top is brilliant now in terms of to feet rather than space. Mm-hmm. And he is the only man, now that Thiago's right, that might be different, but he's the only man in the midfield who fizzes that ball through to the next player. Genie underhits it, Keita overhits, uh, underhits it as well. He is the only one who gives us a tempo. Liverpool never slow down because of Henderson. I've heard he's so rubbish on the ball, yet somehow all of our best games for the last three years have involved Jordan Henderson playing. Someone explain to me why. Somebody's lying somewhere. So, so someone's somebody told a lie one day. Um, <laughs> I did want to. I, I did want to talk about the the, the quotes that Klopp had about the schedule, but unfortunately, we have run out of time for today. Um, I think we can all agree that. We do need. I do think it was quite funny that they, him and Guardiola and Ole, even though his opinion doesn't really mean a lot, but they all said that you know they kind of that the, the schedule needs to like obviously be reduced, which is which completely understandable, and you know the five sub rule needs should have been brought in. Um, and the funny thing in the game, both of them, Pep and Klopp, they only used three substitutions between them. 
So it's yeah, just I'm, yeah. I was thinking about that though. I'm thinking because the game was such on a knife edge, they don't tend to make a lot of substitutions in those type of games anyway. Well, this is the thing because he had Pep had Foden stripped and ready. Pause about 15 minutes earlier than when he brought him on. And he didn't okay. bring him on with about with, nah. like what seven minutes left of the game. Yeah, the you time. don't want to mess up. You don't want to mess up the balance in those type of games because it's just on a knife edge. And we've seen that with the best managers, they don't do things to mess up the the flow of the game. If it was like let's say a Sheffield United and that, he would have used all three substitutions and that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, we can talk about the schedule and um, not having five substitutes another day because it's asinine, absolutely incredibly stupid. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're in a situation now where it clearly Trent's been overworked because we're in a situation where we're playing a weakened back, a weakened back line, and you don't want to weaken it even more. With the great respect to kind of like a James Milner and an Echo Williams, by taking Trent out to give him a rest, we can't afford that. And now we're in a situation where he's out for up to a m- up to one month. But obviously, with Liverpool diagnoses, that could that could mean anything. That could be a mystery number they pull from a box. So, um, so yeah, that that just needs to change in general. But boys, thank you so much for joining me this evening. Um, a really good episode in the books once again. And of course, if you've enjoyed everything you've heard from us today, I want to get a little bit more whilst we're, you know, unfortunately in lockdown for the next three weeks or so. Uh, please do head over to www.patreon.com forward slash coffee fracas, uh, where you'll find a whole host of fantastic content from the rest of us here at Coffee and Fracas. And we've got a lot more to come as well in the next coming weeks as well. So until next week, we'll see you soon. Peace. The longest wait, a generation on and more, for the 19th time in their history, for the first time in the Premier League, in the never-to-be-forgotten year of 2020, the champions of England Total Wine & More is a wonderland to explore. Thousands of wines and spirits, unexpected pairings and great gifts, low prices and helpful guides. Make the holidays magical at Total Wine & More. Drink responsibly, be 21. Sports Social Podcast Network.